Hi there, I'm Mickey Johnson, and you're listening to Leading by Example, a podcast where we'll explore how work shapes who we are, personally, interpersonally, and emotionally, in conversations with leaders about the ways they've evolved and the relationships that have driven those changes. Margaret Schuller is a managing director at Accenture. In this role, she helps hypergrowth companies solve their most pressing barriers to growth, often by building and running multi-million dollar partnerships with influential tech companies. I met Margaret at Northwestern University, where we both went for undergrad. Our sophomore and junior years, we lived in a big house with six other women, many of whom we're still friends with. And then senior year, the two of us lived in an apartment together. We stayed friends and actually did another stint as roommates in 2011 when Jackson and I crashed in Margaret's spare room in Chicago, where we moved to build our first company. Eventually, Margaret and I both ended up back in the Bay Area, and our conversations have increasingly focused on our ideas of work and leadership, as we've both moved into leadership roles where we also support other leaders at our client companies. Although our work experiences have been very different, in this conversation we found a lot of common ground, especially on the importance of learning to regulate strong emotions so they don't have a negative impact on your team. While also we recognized that our tendency to feel deeply can be a superpower that helps us build trusting relationships and connect with our drive and our passion. Margaret, welcome to the Leading by Example podcast. Hi, Mickey. I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be a fun way to spend some time. (laughs) I know. I'm so glad we're getting to have this conversation. Let's see. So first off, I'd love to hear a little bit about yourself, you know, the teams that you lead, and specifically, how do you think that your teams would describe you as a leader? Yeah, so I work with a number of different global teams as part of my role at Accenture in a variety of different functional areas. And I recently got a note from somebody that worked with me close to six years ago, actually. So not not recent, but she reached out because she's been reading this book called Radical Candor. And she said that one of the book's key tenets, I haven't read it, is to care personally and challenge directly. Uh, and she said, I, uh, she said, I wanted to thank you because I think this is actually how you lead and how you work with people is that you, you have very high standards, you push people hard, but you care deeply about those people and, and you don't push them any harder than you push yourself. So I think uh, it was a very succinct way of describing how I, I, I think and hope people see my leadership style. That's such a huge compliment. I've read Radical Candor and I presented it to our team as something that I wanted us to all get better at. And I I recognize that as a leader, I have trouble with the challenging directly part and that it's really important. And the further I go along, the more important I see that it is. So um, that's, that's really cool that someone said that sort of unprompted. Um, so... Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, I actually think the challenge directly piece is, is maybe one I actually have to work on a little bit because mm-hmm. for a lot of people, challenging directly works well. For some people, it does not, right? And mm-hmm. finding a way to maybe challenge in a way that can be absorbed is really important. And, and I think that's both about individual people, but sometimes working cross-culturally as well there can be distinctions in in how welcome that directness is. Mm. 
Yeah. Is that, are there particular things that you've learned around that or, or experiences you're thinking of? Yeah, there are definitely some cultures that I have worked in or worked with, I should say, because I've, I've always been based here in the US, but working with teams all over the world. I would say there are some cultures that I've worked with that are, you know, even more direct than than I am or more direct than sort of a uh, a typical American culture, you know, recognizing that within each culture, there's a wide variety. But then there are some where I found it really important to do a lot more listening and to ask a lot more questions around what's happening and what I want people to do and let people come to some of their own conclusions versus really providing that directive around either feedback or proactive next step. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know we worked with a company that had offices here and also in France. And we did a whole whole story about what candor meant to that company and that it means something very different Mm -hmm. in France than here. And I think a lot of Europe, there's a real directness that can be different from here. And I imagine like Asia is probably like a very different thing. Um, Recognizing that both of those things are also incredibly diverse areas with their own nuances. Um, Cool. So let's see. Um, I'm super curious if there is a moment for you where you realized that your current mode of leading wasn't working for you anymore and that like you needed to change in some way to to meet the needs of your team. Yeah, the story I'll share with you actually happened about 5 years ago, but I would say the moment repeats itself for me. Mm. Uh, it repeats itself in less dramatic ways now, but I can feel it and I can see it and I can identify it and know what to do. And it, for me, it's really about understanding that as a leader, there's an element of physics. And I can't remember whether which Newtonian law it is that says every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And I think actually it's a little bit different as a leader. It's more of an amplification of a reaction versus an equal or opposite. So if I'm calm and focused and deliberate and intentional, that enables my teams to operate well and go forward. If I'm panicky or upset, everyone around me feels that. And the the story was about five years ago, I was leading a team through a major kind of technical and uh, company milestone. And we'd spent nine, 10 months building a plan that went in 15 minute increments. It went across four time zones. It was going to take place over a weekend where we had time change in two of those time zones. So it was very, very detailed. And about five days before the, the major milestone, before this weekend, someone new came in and said, well, this plan is garbage. We're not going to do this. I don't want to do it like this. And I closed the call and I I just, I started to cry and I was at home. I was before, it was before I was getting on a plane to go to Houston to my client site. It was about 1030 in the morning and I went and I got my nails done. And then I went to the airport and I got on the plane and I had a glass of wine and I ate some lunch and then I got off and I, and I was there and the reason I had done those couple of things was that I knew that I needed to not carry that that baggage of the panic of trying to redo the plan. 
right before, but that I need the plan was baked enough. It was done enough that it was going to work. And it ultimately did not without a few hiccups, but I realized that the biggest thing that I needed to do for the hundreds of people who were executing this around the world and the 60 that were all going to be in a room in Houston was to be calm and to be able to set the right tone for the team. When I was getting my nails done, the the manicurist, she asked me, she said, don't, don't you have to work today? Because it was a Tuesday and I usually would go in on the weekends. And I said, I am working. And it really crystallized for me that a big part of what I need to do as a leader is just to set the right tone and be able to let people operate at their best. Mm, I love that. I'm super curious, is that the reaction you would have had earlier in your career as a leader? No, it it wasn't the reaction that I had been having. The reactions that I had had before were to push harder, to try to convince people that my idea or my plan was right to try to get back or get more into the details just to make sure everything hung together the way I expected it to. And I think what I learned was that at some stage, the detail stops mattering and it matters that you enable people to make the right decisions with the information that they have. And I think earlier in my career, I would have continued to argue. I would have continued to push instead of setting it to the side and saying, we're going to move on. We're going to move forward. Was there something that taught you that or how did that change come about? Yeah, it was over a period of a couple of months. So so prior to this particular milestone, we'd had almost a mock version of it three months earlier. And I'd seen how one of the others on a parallel team reacted and, and panicked, frankly. And I'd seen the impact that had on the team. And it made me realize that that was how I was wired to react, how my natural instinct was to react and that I needed to change something to go into this big milestone. And now it's something that I can see happening and know that I'm in a bad place or I'm upset about something. And I know I have to take a break. I have to change my mindset because even though I don't always believe that I should be able to have this level of impact, if I'm in a really bad place, it's bad for the team. Yeah, I think that's so big, being able to recognize when we're having a moment and especially recognizing that we have a pattern that we tend to respond in a certain way and that it is probably not helpful for the people around us. And to be able to consciously, you know, learn to observe that and step back from it rather than just keep engaging it and keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. I mean, to me, that's really hard. Did you just see it and you were like, I just have to stop doing this? Or was it 
more of like a, a journey or were there like mindfulness practices or things that helped? It definitely more of a journey. I would say taking some time to do some yoga is always grounding and centering for me. I'm also a runner and that's a good processing time for me. I know when I'm really processing because I have to switch off a podcast and listen to music because I can't focus on a podcast if I'm really trying to work through something in my own mind. And then I would say it's also been having a few trusted friends and colleagues to be able to have a really direct conversation around what went well there and what didn't go well and how do I evolve and how do I change what I'm doing and being able to get that feedback in a way that feels safe and not attacking for me can, has always been about having a trusted enough relationship with whoever's giving me that feedback. But I would say definitely exercise, whether it's running or yoga, really very helpful. Are there people that you feel like you've learned from and who you know you think of as really good leaders that you've been able to watch or even be mentored by or are there other programs that you feel like you've learned things from directly about how to be a better leader? Yeah, this was a question that I I struggled with because there are so many people and and one of the things that I thought about actually was was the opposite and what I've learned not to do. And I had one leader that I worked for for some time who just made me feel awful all the time. And then this person wrote a glowing performance review. And I was so taken aback because I didn't care at that point about the performance review. I just cared about how I'd been feeling and how I felt I'd been treated throughout the entirety of this project. And it made me think of that quote. I think it's a Maya Angelou quote that's people will not remember what you did, but they'll remember how it made them feel. And Mm -hmm. so that has been something that I have observed both positive and negative. I would say my current leader is immensely calm all the time. And, and I am not, that's just not (laughs) how, you know me, you know me for a long time, Mickey, that's just not how I'm, how I'm wired, but observing the effect that has on people, you know, disarming and not in a antagonistic kind of way, but in a making people feel comfortable kind of way. That's been something I've, I've really observed and tried to absorb in an authentic way. I'm curious when you say that this previous leader made you feel awful, why, what was going on? How did that happen? This leader was undercutting, had a constant habit of implying that whatever idea or plan you brought forward was so obvious that it wasn't worthy of his time or was so stupid that how could you have even 
have thought of it or was so dismissive and and sort of failed to recognize the effort that went into whatever we were working on. And recognizing that output matters fundamentally. We're in business. We need to deliver a thing or do a thing. But we're also humans. And so the effort and the intentionality and what we put into something matters to us as people. It certainly matters to me as a person. And so perfection was expected. And so the only feedback was always ever negative because you, you could never do better than what was expected and receive positive feedback. You could only fail to meet the standard. And then what was so jarring was to then get this really positive performance review when the whole time the feedback had been so bad. That sounds super disorienting. Um, it's interesting because that strikes me that that sounds like kind of the opposite of what you heard of, that people see you as a leader, right? Which is, I think of radical, radical candor is kind of the opposite, which is you really care that someone is trying, right? And you're trying to right. understand what they're, what they're doing. But in the moment, you're also being really honest about like what's working and not. And so when you get to a performance review, there should never be a disconnect between what people are hearing from you day to day, right? And what they see in the performance review. That's kind of part of the idea because right. that difference can lose you so much trust. So I guess I'm just wondering, like, did that experience of having a leader treat you in a way that didn't work for you, especially around feedback, did that influence the way that you then led? How do you give feedback in a different way from what you were getting? This is something I've thought about a lot, but what I really try to do is focus on starting with what's good or valuable. And in all cases, at minimum, you can recognize the effort that went into what came forward. Even if it's small, it, it, it takes something to bring an idea to bring something in front of a leader. And so even the effort of bringing something forward can be recognized. So I think starting with just recognizing what's positive. And then what I try to do is really structure a critique or structure my feedback so that it doesn't feel as emotional and it doesn't feel arbitrary. You know, I want it to, when I'm giving feedback, I try to make it be kind of grounded in some set of shared principles or shared structure or something that we can kind of jointly agree on makes sense. It's interesting you, you know, I hope you get a chance to read Radical Candor sometime because that's one of the parts that I think is really brilliant about the book is they give you really specific ways to give feedback. One of them is that it's really specific. <laughs> One of them is that it's depersonalized, but it's it's exactly what you're talking about. It's almost like a, a Mad Lib style, you know, where it's basically like, here's the thing that happened. Here's what I perceived as might have happened because of it. What can we do together to figure out like a better way forward? So it sounds like you're sort of doing that naturally, which is cool. Well, I don't know if I quite characterize it as natural. It's learned. <laughs> I just haven't read the book. <laughs> I haven't read that specific book. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to go back to something that you sort of offhanded said, which is that we know, we've known each other for a long time. I mean, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but like, I think we share the fact that we 
both have a lot of feelings <laughs> and that, like they are often close to the surface and they can be intense. And I think we've both been on a journey for a long time of figuring out how to not be completely at their whim, but also not squash them completely. And I know that that is often particularly challenging at work to kind of find that balance. And like, you know, it sounds like you understand that calmness is something that people respect, you know, or, or is helpful to teams. And maybe that's something you've been working on. But are there other places where sort of navigating your own emotions and reactions to things have been hard at work, or you've learned, I don't know, like different tools or techniques for that? Yeah, that is a fair characterization. Um, <laughs> and I also think it's something that as women, we tend to get penalized for more. However, I also have found that there is a degree of real value in terms of building trusted relationships with people and building empathy. Because while I have learned to sort of modulate a little bit the visibility of those feelings, you can read most emotions on my face if you've known <laughs> me for any period of time, including like five minutes. Um, <laughs> But I think people build a lot of trust that way. And I've been able to build relationships because people know that I'm honest. People know that I'm not sort of pulling one over. You know, I'm not hiding something because I'm actually not capable of it. You're, you're going to know if I think something is a stupid idea. Um, I'll do my best to not, you know, to to not have that be the case, but you're also going to truly know that I am really grateful for something or that I think something's a really amazing idea or that you've done a really great job. I would say certainly I have focused on modulating some of the maybe more negative emotions, but for sure I haven't tried to make them go away. Right. I think they're an important part of who I am and, and part of feeling deeply means I care passionately about what I do. I, I think going back to that radical candor point, you can't kind of care personally and care deeply if you don't feel deeply. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I think that's something that um, gets lost too often, that having a lot of emotions, it can be um, a liability, especially for women mm -hmm. in the workplace, but it's also a superpower if you can figure out how to harness it. And hopefully if you work in an environment that is at least open to understanding the value of that, right? Yeah. I think harnessing it is a, is a good word to use because I think control feels too constricting. Uh, and, it, and it's not that you're trying to manipulate them either. You just want to sort of have your arms around them and, you know, work with them and not against them. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the things I'm really interested in too is the way that, you know, our work life and our the rest of our lives are intertwined in so many ways. And so I wonder, you've obviously learned a lot about being a leader and have learned to, you know, modulate and, you know, do these different things at work. Do you see it spilling over into the rest of your life or are there things that you've learned at work that you feel like help you in other parts of your life or other relationships? I think that to some degree, yes. I also think that I, or I know that outside of work, I am also can be much happier to 
take a bit more of a backseat or you mm. know not be in a leadership role. I like to know that someone is leading it. Um, someone is planning it. I, I do like structure. I like a plan. I like to know that we have to get off at the next exit and then it's going to be a right turn and then we're going to quickly turn left. I want to know a couple steps ahead, but I don't have to be in control of it all the time. And, and I have learned that caring for people and leading people also means that sometimes I both need and want to have people care for me and, mm. and lead for me and let me not do all the mental work of leading or caring or directing. So I'd say yeah. that's probably the biggest thing that I've brought into my personal life. I mean, some of my family would probably tell you that I also have brought into my personal life too many businessy words. Um, <laughs> but uh, I try to try to keep those a little bit off to the side. <laughs> yeah, it's like the you want you want a good navigator, right? You don't always have to be driving, but if you are, you also want someone to be there to right. like who you trust, who you trust yes. is going to like point you in the right direction. Yeah, that's I mean that just makes me think so much of the reunion that we, you know, would would usually be heading to in a week yes. if we weren't all self-quarantining um with all of our college friends and that like <laughs> I think we, it's just like, it's basically like nine type A personalities who are all used to being in charge and then like one or two people who are just like, fine, do whatever you want. But. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, I feel like I need to actually wrote about this as I was preparing for this discussion, thinking about you actually, that like, if you are in charge of the meal, like no additional suggestions needed. Mickey knows what she's doing. The cheese is made out of nuts. It's going to be weird, but in the end, it's going to be really good. But that's where the trust comes in. And and that's really important. And, and we have that. And we have that with this group of friends. Um, and we there are far too many leaders. But I think for the most part, we're also really comfortable saying, you're a leader, you lead this. It's fine. And I think it's just all based on trust. Yeah. Do you see that at work too? Because that's something I struggle with so much is getting out of people's ways and not needing to be the leader all the time um, and letting people make their own mistakes or make their own decisions that I think are mistakes that turn out to be great or, you know, not, not trying to take on everything myself and then end up burning myself out. Um, I don't know if that's something you've had experience with too, or, or how you think about that. Yeah, I think it depends on what the stakes are and what the roles are. If it's something where I very strongly believe that the direction I have or the way I want to go is the right answer, and the stakes are really high, I'm not going to be willing to let someone else take the reins and potentially make a mistake. That being said, where there are cases where the stakes are lower, and it's a good opportunity for someone else to learn Absolutely. Those are the ones where I try to take a step back. And what I'm trying to do a lot more of now is provide coaching in the background. Let someone else be out front with the client. Let someone else be presenting this to our senior leadership, but be providing my view and my coaching in the background. 
Yeah, I love that. That's so what I've learned too, especially in the last year is that it's not that I'm not there and it's not that I'm not like supporting them and like giving them everything they need, but not immediately jumping to this conclusion that like I need to do all of the things Um, and instead saying like, how much can I possibly let someone else do, especially client facing, right? Like especially have the relationship and build the muscles and like build the confidence. And then I'm like right there, you know, I have their back if they need anything. Cause I like, I like the coaching part like that. Mm -hmm. I don't get burned out by that part, but if I was, I would be totally burned out if I was like, I have to be in every client meeting and I have to present every presentation and I have to, you know, whatever. Um, That's a lot more burden for me, I think to carry sometimes. So Yeah, I think it's also about knowing what's going to matter for the audience as well, right? When Mm. you think about a client presentation, I've had clients where if there isn't perfect alignment or the color scheme isn't correct, they can't absorb the content or they can't Mm -hmm. look at it if something's sort of half done. They really need to Mm. see the polished version. And in that case, it's really important to get it there. And there's other times where I'd like things to be more aligned or prettier, but I know the client doesn't care. And mm-hmm. so it, there's no value in my caring about it. There's no value in sort of pushing the team to change that to a degree because it doesn't matter. So it's setting aside kind of my own preferences or my own even like desire for a certain standard when it doesn't matter because you, you can't ask people to operate at, you know, 100 plus percent on every single thing all the time. People, we just as humans don't have the capacity to do that. I appreciate that. That's something I need to remember to do more as a leader too, because I think that I tend to sort of be like, well, this is what I think is a good standard and just have everybody come up to that. And honestly, I think I'm the opposite. Mine is probably like a little lower because I'm one of those people who are like, I don't need the polish. Just give me the basic idea, the ref, I like whatever. And so actually a good reminder that our clients just land in really different places. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we do need to take that like extra step and really bring it up to that. So thank you. I'm learning things from you, not surprisingly. Maybe this would be a good time to let you take a crack at me too. Do you do you have a question for me that you'd like me to answer? Yeah, based on specifically the work you've done with job portraits, uh, what do you think are some of the most undervalued or overlooked leadership traits that you've observed or that are not there? That's a great question. Well, first, I mean, I think it's interesting because I think that in a lot of ways we self-select for leaders that are our kinds of leaders, <laughs> that are the kinds of leaders that I, you know, would want to work with or want to be myself. So I think there's a pretty huge difference between the kind of leaders that we see put up on a pedestal generally in our culture like the Steve Jobs of the world. But I think we all understand Steve Jobs is a very complicated figure and actually you know, the woman who wrote Radical Candor worked under Steve, like at Apple for years and actually makes a very good case for why he is doing Radical Candor. He's doing it in a way that doesn't work for a lot of people, but is still Radical Candor. But, you know, I think there's this idea of these sort of like people who are geniuses, people who hold people to very high standards, but then who are frankly, like, a-holes. They can be really, really, really hard to be around. They have Mm -hmm. huge egos. And I think there's a myth that 
to be a good leader and a brilliant leader and someone that drives people to their best, that you have to be kind of a jerk. And I think it's just as likely that those people were incredible leaders, despite the fact Mm -hmm. that they had really difficult personalities rather than because of it. And, you know, I think if you look at things like um, the work that Daniel Pink collects in his book around motivation, and, you know, you look at the fact that when you give, you know, monetary reward, but also when you threaten, you know, a punishment, um, that any kind of work that takes any basic cognitive skills, right, that's not just like mechanical work, especially anything that's creative, you actually get worse returns. And so I think that, I mean, really radical candor is like probably, I think, one of the most undervalued skills is really that ability to create an environment where people feel really cared for and really seen and like they can really show up so that they can try big things and make mistakes and not be sort of dinged for it, but still where they're being pushed and they feel like they're doing the best work of their lives, right? And they're learning new things um, and they're making things that they're proud of. And honestly, I think striking that balance is so hard um, and I know, I know a lot of companies that come down too far on the other side, and we're probably like really a little bit in that camp, if anything, um, where sort of politeness um, gets mm-hmm. in the way of really good performance. And, and I worry about that a lot. And so, you know, I, I think that and then, um, you know, I think something you were sort of hinting at, too, is this idea of sort of selective vulnerability, right? It's like, how do you how do you share enough of yourself to be able to really form a bond with people where they trust you, but not sort of like overshare, right, to this point where it becomes unprofessional or you're putting your weight on them or you're making people more nervous than they need to be because you're the leader and you're suddenly racked by anxiety and you're showing that. So I think that's another one that I'm always, you know, working on and I'm always really impressed when leaders can like find that right balance. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I had an experience a couple weeks ago where I was on with a broad group of my team. It wasn't something, a question I had particularly expected to answer in the way that I did. But one of my team members asked me how, you know, kind of classic now pandemic question of how are you coping? Mm. And that week had been my niece's fifth birthday. And it was the first birthday of hers that I'd missed. I'd been Mm. with her for all of her birthdays. And as I started to share that and just how hard that was, I I started to get a little teary, you know, not not crying, but like voice cracking. Mm. And I hadn't intended that. And I didn't think that would happen in telling this story. But it felt like the kind of personal story to share that wasn't about sharing, you know, I'm currently racked by anxiety and this is so hard, but just there are these moments, there are these personal experiences that kind of encapsulate what we're all going through or what, you know, certainly what I'm feeling or was feeling. And so, and I actually got a note from somebody on my team afterwards and she said, you know, thanks for sharing that. And I said, okay, I, thank you for the feedback because I I wasn't sure if it was an overshare and I didn't mean for it to be and I didn't mean for it in any way to like manipulate anybody by being 
hyper emotional, but it also felt like the right level of insight into my own experience to share with the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I imagine at least my experience is like that just comes with experience, right? Yeah. It's like, you just, you do it and you test it and you know, different people can sort of take different, you know, levels of that love, that kind of authenticity and, and what feels okay to you to share and all that kind of stuff. Well, I know that you have a busy rest of your day. Um, I'm so glad that we got to talk about this. And it's just been so cool to watch you become, you know, a really impressive leader and leader of people and business leader over the years. And it's something I know we we talk about occasionally and more and more, I think, as we both are in these positions. But it's really nice to get to sit down and um, hear your perspective uh, on all of this. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. And it's really great to talk to you about it, too. I mean, I've worked for a long time now at, at big companies, and I've seen you over and over again start companies and grow them and start them with your husband, which I think is just <laughs> nuts, but I'm single, so what do I know? Um, <laughs> and so it's a very, we have very different professional experiences, and yet a lot of and very different styles and yet a lot of things to share and learn from one another so thank you yeah absolutely thanks so much for thanks so much for being on the podcast of course <laughs>